0: The Story of Psychology, with your host, Professor Todd, based on the work of Dr. C. George Bore, Part 4, The 1900s. Romance is a mood or state of mind akin to several others, including love, friendship, sexual interest, contentment, self-assurance, and so on. Romance is normally experienced in the context of an actual relationship, although it may be experienced in other ways, such as in fantasy, expectation, or possibility. It may also be experienced vicariously, such as when watching a romantic movie or real couples in romantic situations. It is even experienced occasionally with friends or relations. Romance is, more specifically, associated with courtship, and with the intimations of sexuality that go with it. Romance is, itself, however, not primarily sexual. In fact, it often has an innocent feel to it, and is associated with puppy love, first love, early flirtations, and the like. Romance often involves courtship symbols, traditions, and stereotypes, such as flowers, gifts, Hand holding, candlelit dinners, romantic music. These, however, are not essential, but rather seem to derive from certain natural ways of expressing romantic feelings. Once upon a time, they were probably original. These symbols are now often used to set the stage for romance. The romantic state of mind often seems to come on suddenly a matter of rather abruptly becoming aware of being in a romantic moment. It very often involves surprise. This is where many of the aforementioned symbols come into play. Romance often involves being surprised by signs of someone's affection, whether it be in the form of a gift, a helping hand, an appreciative glance, a confidence shared, or what have you. Also associated with surprise is the sense of great motion, lightness, being swept up in the moment or swept off of your feet. On the other hand, some people instead focus on a feeling of steadiness and solidity, reflecting the firmness of a commitment or the solidity of a relationship, especially in adversity. The lightness in oneself self and the steadiness of the other are by no means incompatible. There is often a degree of gender stereotyping involved in romance. He made me feel pretty, feminine. He is my knight in shining armor. He swept me off my feet. I found comfort in his broad shoulders. These comments are used to good advantage in romance novels, but have their sources in ordinary experience. In men, we find similar statements in reverse. She made me feel strong, like a real man. Now, please note that this is not to be understood as a power thing, but rather as an awareness of the need to care for a woman, to nurture. The connection with courtship seems quite strong, despite the many exceptions. The mood of romance may come upon both people naturally, but it is often arranged for by one or the other. The structure of the romantic episode seems best left simple and is greatly enhanced by at least the appearance of spontaneity. Circumstances can be very important. A small gesture or sign of support in adverse circumstances can be far more valuable than the great generosity in good circumstances. Romance seems, in fact, to thrive on adversity, as in our common recollection Of our poor days. This introduces as well the symbolism of the hero and the fair maiden in fairy tales. Selfless help in adversity, revealing deep affection, is a theme common to most fairy tales, many movies, and many real-life romantic moments as well. The key feeling would seem to be one of a heightened self-worth seen as coming from the other person. Examples would include feeling especially attractive, important, strong, interesting, intelligent, and so on. Even the sense that one has been involved in something important can bring on a sense of romance. The increase in self-worth curiously, results in an increase in one's valuing of or affection for the other. Paradoxically, these feelings can also occur in reverse, so that coming upon the other person in circumstances that lead you to particularly value him or her may lead to feelings of strength, security, confidence, etc., and this too is felt as romantic. Common to both is the sense of being fortunate or lucky to be you, to be there, to be with this person. There are three other aspects of a romantic mental state. The first includes a sense of lightness, airiness, giddiness, a glow, excitement, enchantment, joking, and laughter. The second Includes coziness, cuddling, contentment, comfort, closeness. And the third, riskiness, danger, naughtiness. Now, the first, lightness and airiness, seems most common, with the others being a variation. And the third, the riskiness or naughtiness, the least common, but certainly not rare. The essence of romance seems to me to be the sudden discovery or bringing to awareness, whether by accident or by arrangement, of your importance or value to another person, along with an awareness of their value to you. It is a confirmation that one is lovable or worthy of affection, whether in the eyes of a desirable young man or woman, or in the context of a long, comfortable marriage. This confirmation comes with many of the qualities associated with other kinds of ego transcendence or ego expansion, such as love itself. By losing yourself in the affection of another, you become stronger as an individual. And, as is so often mentioned about romance, it is just one of those things that defies logic. Have you ever noticed how some writers seem to understand the human mind and heart far better than any psychologist or psychiatrist? Here is an incredible example of literary phenomenology by the amazing James Joyce. It is a selection from Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. He was alone. He was unheeded, happy and near to the wild heart of life. He was alone and young and willful and wild-hearted, Alone amid a waste of wild air and brackish waters and the sea harvest of shells and tangled and veiled gray sunlight and gay-clad, light-clad figures of children and girls and voices, childish and girlish in the air. A girl stood before him in midstream, alone and still, gazing out to sea she seemed like one whom magic had changed into the likeness of a strange and beautiful seabird. Her long, slender, bare legs were delicate as a crane's, and pure, save where an emerald trail of seaweed had fashioned itself as a sign upon the flesh. Her thighs, fuller and soft-hued as ivory, were bared almost to the hips, where the white fringes of her drawers were like a feathering of soft white down. Her slate-blue skirts were kilted boldly about her waist and dovetailed behind her. Her bosom was as a bird's, soft and slight, slight and soft, as the breast of some dark-plumaged dove. But her long, fair hair was girlish, and touched with the wonder of mortal beauty, her face. She was alone and still, gazing out to sea, and when she felt his presence and the worship of his eyes, her eyes turned to him in quiet sufferance of his gaze, without shame or wantonness. Long, long she suffered his gaze and then quietly withdrew her eyes from his and bent them toward the stream gently stirring the water with her foot, hither and thither. The first faint noise of gently moving water broke the silence, low and faint and whispering, faint as the bells of sleep, hither and thither, hither and thither, and a faint flame trembled on her cheek. Heavenly God, cried Stephen's soul, in an outburst of profane joy, He turned away from her suddenly and set off across the strand. His cheeks were aflame, his body was aglow, his limbs were trembling. On and on and on and on he strode, far out over the sands, singing wildly to the sea, crying to greet the advent of the life that had cried to him.